13. And Deborah Ann said, it's just, you know, we need to change socks here. We, 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 we've been wearing these a long time. So, uh, so I want to welcome you to the broadcast this evening. Uh, we are River Church in Tuscaloosa, and we are ministering on owning a revival culture. And we've been doing it now for 12 weeks, and tonight we should finish. So if you uh, want to go back and look at what we've been saying and believing for, well, then we're... We're on River Church, Alabama, and we're on Facebook. So, and uh, be sure and share. Friend it, but share it. We get way good results when y'all share it, and it goes around the world. Uh, I talked to some people at, our, at, the, at the meeting, and they said, well, we've been watching it, so yay. It helps. Praise God. Well, let's go over our, this will be our eighth revival culture you understand this is what the whole thing about what do you choose, what, what re- qualifies. It's just the lordship of Jesus. When you make Jesus Lord, you'll go, oh, it's you. It's not because they're so special or just turn special. It's just that honor is in the family and honor is in the culture of revival. And we just can't have it without that. So we said that uh, culture, revival culture is embracing the government of heaven, which is family, spiritual family. We said revival culture is when we only let God surprise us with his goodness. I've been hearing things, as you do, as you pray for people, especially people that say, you know, God's in control and stuff like that. And they're real frustrated because they take it personally when they pray or they ask God, and then it goes the other way. And they say, well, God's in control, therefore. And it's what comes after that, therefore, that's real... uh, painful to them because it's like God doesn't like me, God didn't think I was worthy, or you know, whatever. So we have to get over on a culture where it's only good coming from heaven. Devil, everything could come from him. Curse, it's in the earth. Sin, it's in the flesh, but not from God. It's the goodness of God. Number three, we said we uh, revival has is a life full of hope and faith. That we're not just a hoping and a praying. Number five, uh, excuse me, number four is uh, revival culture is a generous mindset. Because you can't dream big unless you're generous. There's no faith for it. There's no, uh, there's no capacity for it. Number six is demonstrating honor. Demonstrating honor. Praise God. I've just, even since I've been teaching, you know, don't, don't ever think this is old hat for me. I'm learning just as we go, and uh, I'm really learning about honor. And it's uh, and honor and generosity are the two things that really are powerful in this to me. We said last week that uh, honor cult, uh, a revival culture is uh, giving place to the prophetic. And I hope that you are spending some time in your prayer time, because we're all doing that anyway, saying, God, what, what do you want to stir me up? Well, we said God's talking all the time. So if he's talking all the time, let's tune in and say, and, uh, you know, Deborah Ann told me something the other day. She said, you know, a lot of people are praying, but they're not listening after they pray. And, you know, there might be, there might some, be some feedback. Yeah, after all that praying, he might have something to say to us. And tonight we're going to look about at rejoicing in the testimony of truth that always prevails. Truth that always prevails. Truth always wins. And so Jesus said, I'm the way and the always wins. 
and the life. So we have to have a testimony, culture, in order to have revival. We have to tell it. You know, used to you couldn't go buy the tape or the CD or the, uh, the whatever. Uh, used to, when it was gone, it was gone. If someone didn't write it down, it was really gone. They couldn't remember it, it was gone. And so we had to testify and say, well, last year, God did this for me because nobody heard the tape or no one got the CD or whatever. So we need to go back to that and say, I got to stir me up, remembering, remembering what he has done. I was on the down and out. I was in the, the, the castaway and astray, and God came down. That's what the Jews do. That's their, all their feasts are about God's deliverance in their life. And he's delivered us too. I read this. I saw this in, a, in a, something I said years ago, and I would forgot it, but it said that the difference between an epitaph, no, an epitaph, y'all know what I'm trying to say, and a testimony. An epitaph is a phrase or statement written in memory of or summarizing the life of a person who has died, especially as an inscription on a tombstone. It's a phrase or statement written in memory of or summarizing the life of a person who has died. But a testimony is a phrase or statement written or told of a person who has suddenly put on a superior life, displacing an ordinary existence. We got a testimony. We got a testimony. Wow, we got up today and our head didn't hurt and we got up today and we didn't have the flu and we got up today and we could walk. And we had a job to go to, and I'm telling you, it's just... Jesus said in John 10, 10, you all know it, he said, I have come to give you a testimony. I have come that you might have life, that you might take away that which is destined for you in the world, and you're ordinary, and, and what does it say? And displacing an ordinary existence. He said, I've come to, to bust you out of an ordinary life. And that then deserves a testimony. We just say, the Lord busted me out of an ordinary existence. I was on my way. I was a nobody going nowhere. And here he came. So Jesus came so that we could have a testimony lifestyle. Think about that. Every day his salvation is made new. Is that what it says? Yes. Yeah, every day, every day. So uh, I was thinking it was another word. Uh, so Jesus said that we could come. Or he would come and bring us expectation. Said we would, he would come and we would get things hoped for. We would get the prophetic. We would get suddenlies. I love, do y'all love surprises? Yeah. I mean, just surprises. And I, I am wanting to be on the surprising end of things. Uh, Miss Melody Sampson, her birthday was this week. And <coughs> doggone, it, it's... Today, it's today, and I didn't get anything out to her. And she lives way up there, like north of Missouri or way up there, Kansas City. But I was just thinking, I, I've never sent her a birthday card, but I sent her a birthday card. I'm not telling you all this to brag. I'm just saying my personal testimony of, of, uh, of honor and generosity has changed me. And, yeah, you know, and I wasn't a scoundrel. I wasn't like I was a, th a thief and a robber. I... I this has helped me a lot. Um, don't y'all love 1 John 4, 17? As he is, 
I went all my life without even knowing that was in the Bible. As he is, so are we in this world. Um, the young says, because even as he is, we are also in the world. The NIV says, because in this world, we are like him. But I like the TEV, the something English version. Uh, our life in this world is the same as Christ. Oh, here it is, the cotton patch. For just as he faced the world, so do we. Wow. Isn't that powerful? I mean, just if you believe that, I mean, if we get down and say, that's truth and I'll profit, I'll increase, I'll have victory with truth versus believing a lie. Right there, we're on the winning stage. Right there, the, the big blue ribbon comes on us that says, champion. So you know the Lord Jesus, he didn't have a testimony. He had a lifestyle. Every day he was, he was burning up the unbelief and breaking down barriers and casting down traditions. And so we have to change from, uh, we have to put a testimony in our life so that we can get a lifestyle of the supernatural. If you're always remembering how good God is and how he opened doors and shut off the trouble and how he, he made a way, if you're in constant um, saturation of that, you're marinating thoughts like that. Wow, God's good. Wow, this is great. Wow, look what this happened. Instead of just accepting it as the norm and just getting dull to it. Like we get dull to it in America to running water. But it'd be the greatest thing that could even happen to millions of people. It'd be, it'd be, it'd change their life, and we're just like, whatever. Ma, don't you think the, the water pressure's a little low? Well, let's go have it checked. And, you know, we're, they're, they're hauling a bucket two miles in some places. So, um, testimony. It does something for you when you give it. It's not just the hearer. It's the, when you hear yourself. It's like we're shining for God. It's like he used me, like he cares for me and he did something for me. Or that he went to the trouble to all these things having to work out so that I got what I needed when I needed it. And you just get amazed and it makes you happy. It makes you full of faith. It makes you want uh, to go further. We are not created to live a needy life. Y'all say Amen. We are not created. It has never been where we are supposed to have a need. God supplies all of our needs, and the connotation there is before we have them. Not after we've drugged through the desert and when we've had all this. So ask you the question, do you spend your faith every day saying, I hope I go to heaven? And rehearsing scriptures that, uh, you know, we don't think about that. Why? Why do we not think about that? What's the word? Well, yeah, it's done. Same thing as what y'all said, but it's done. The reason we don't work on going to heaven every day from yesterday, got it yesterday, but today's a new day, and I got to work on going to heaven. It's because we know, we know it's done. And so we're supposed to, listen, listen, it's no different about our needs. We're supposed to say, they're done. And you, you, you realize, we have to realize how easy that is. God didn't have to do anything. All I have to do is just turn five degrees and change my attitude, my expector, and be willing to testify or rejoice. This thing's already taken care of. If I'm going to heaven, then what I need is already in the queue. The reason it's not here is because I didn't need it until now. 
but now I need it, and so here it is. Same thing about healing. People say, well, God, when are you going to do something about my, my, my boo-boo and my hurt and my trouble and my... And God's... Li listen how he thinks. He doesn't... He sees us completely healed. He doesn't even see that there is a need that you should be telling him about that he should be attending to because he already sees it as done. It's finished. It's complete. So sometimes a testimony, would it be that you'd testify before you could actually feel it or see it? Because if you've got it, if it's done and you receive it by faith, you could rejoice. Well, I'm going to wait till I see it. Well, then you're waiting on faith. You're waiting on an agreement with heaven because heaven already says it's done. So everything we do concerning our needs and concerning healing, just as an example, is just changing our mind to receive what he's already sent. It is not trying to get God to send something. It's to get us to receive what he has sent. And you go, well, that's just too simple. Yeah, it is. We'd spend days working on it, but that's exactly how simple it is. Uh, we got a lot of things wrong in, in the world, and including the church world. The church world, could I digress just a minute? The church world, generally speaking, and we're not talking about everybody, but there's a lot of them, that the church world is where they bring the world into a building, bring the world, the politics, the ways of doing business, the expectation, the attitudes toward people. I ain't sitting over there with him. Uh, did you hear what he did downtown last week? And, you know, and we're, and it's just completely different. So, we, so what we do is we sanctify this building or a, a building with icons. We put a cross up and we say, this is a church. But that doesn't make it a church. Well, we put chairs out there and, that's, and, and we put a pulpit up here. That looks like and that is a church. But those are icons. This thing's an icon. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that, that will make you think, and you might not like it, but I believe it. We don't even put name, the name of Jesus on a banner and roll it down because that's an icon. We never want to substitute for the real. You have to put something up. You have to show something when you don't have the real. And so we don't, we don't do twirlies, we don't do dancing. I, let them dance if they want to. But you're just, if you're not dancing in the spirit, and that's an individual thing, I suppose. I, I'm not saying, I don't know everything about that. But I mean, just to arbitrarily say, well, let's all gather up and go around the room and dance and, and do the twirlies and the flags and everything. That might be the flesh. Because if it doesn't change us, if we're not in the presence of the Lord... Then we don't, and we won't have a testimony after that. We'll just say, Whoo, I'm tired. I got to start working out if we're going to do these twirlies all the time. <laughs> so there's a lot of icons in here. There's just a, a, this whole setup here is an icon. Uh, it's, a, it's a traditional mode of sanctifying a building because we don't like you wearing a hat in here. Uh, men, now women just get after it, but men, the, the word says because of who we are under the Lord Jesus, we're not supposed to wear hats, but we don't care if you go outside and wear a hat. We don't like you smoking in here. 
because this is church, but for the wrong reasons. We don't like you bringing your bottle in here. Why? Why is that? Well, it's many times the wrong reason. It's because we're trying to sanctify a place by keeping the world out. And then we come in here and we absolutely operate, not we, but by the world. There's competition. There's comparison. There's uh, you, you got to try out for music. If you're going to sing a special, you got to try out and uh, have three people, you know, check you off. And y'all have just forgotten what other churches do. Amen. So now I don't want to get on that, but I have been aware lately that uh, uh, as you are, that most atmospheres in a church, a so-called church, the whole emphasis, hardly anything but missing hell, getting to the afterlife and not going to hell. So that at the very last moment, as you shuttle out into the afterlife, there's a Y in the road, and one of them says heaven, and one says hell. And right before you get there, you just hope the thing swings right. And that's what the churches are emphasizing. That's what they preach on. Uh, so what, uh, what, do, what do Pentecostals and, and uh, p- mostly O-line Pentecostal denominations and, uh, and, and charismatics, what, what is their icon? Well, if you remember, if you went through that time, and I certainly got into the very, the very end of the charismatic movement was the late 70s, and I got in in 80, and, but it was to get blessed. Everything was to get blessed because we'd never been blessed. We'd never been in a place where blessing was expected or, uh, uh, or anticipated. We got blessed, and we wanted to have special meetings. I can tell y'all weren't very charismatic, uh, but we had special meetings. I, we would load up and go to Abilene on the drop of a hat. You know, get there for a 7 o'clock big meeting with Brother Doodly Doo that, that could do this or do that, and then we'd come home, just sack up the kids and put them in the back and, and roll home. We had special meetings all, all the time. And uh, the revival is here, and revival is coming. Revival is here. Like the word says, uh, uh, to be filled and keep being filled with the Spirit, it says in Ephesians. Well, that's the way it is. Revival is here and revival is coming. It's, it's you go, well, when's it going to get here? When we let it come in. It is not an event. It is not in the timetable of God. It's in us. Uh, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5 real quickly. We're just going to say some things about testimony here because I know you and I want a testimony. We don't want to be left out. I don't want to be left out. Everybody's saying, well, I, so-and-so prayed for me and my leg came back together or my, my head quit hitting or cancer left. And we, we don't want to sit back there and say, nothing happened to me. Y'all help me to get a chance. Okay, First John chapter 5, 14. Don't you love this scripture? 514, let's just, just, let's just pretend this verse is true. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So apparently that's important to speak it, not just to have a need. Well, the Lord knows that we're, 
We have a big need here. That's not enough, is it? We have to, we have to ask according to his will. So in other words, we've got to pray prayers that God wants to answer, that he can answer and wants to answer. Well, here it is right here. It's in here, but if you don't find your particular deal in there, he, he's come to bless. We're blessed to be a blessing. He's come to bring us life. Well, there's just a, there's just a whole trove of things. Verse 15, and... So what's the end? If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know, I know, if we know, if we come into agreement that he hear us. Now, that's a big deal, that he hear us. I prayed and God heard me. Because there's no real, uh, how many of y'all like to, when you send somebody an email, you, you like to hear from them that they got it, got that. And if they don't say anything, you go, we got this meeting tomorrow, and I don't know if they got it or not. I don't, well, we like to hear from heaven to see if we got it. He said, nothing's coming. Nothing's coming to say, I got it. So faith's got to stand in the place. We just got to know, if I prayed, isn't that what it says? Uh, that if we ask anything according to his will, if we say, okay, I got that, then I know that he heard me. And if he heard us, whatever we prayed according to his will, it says we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Well, now let's just, let's just play this. When do we testify? When do we have a testimony rise up in our heart? When we see it? Oh, absolutely. I went down here and God did this and they turned out just right and, and uh, she couldn't walk. Now she's walking. Woo-hoo. But the word says here in 1 John 5 that we could testify as soon as we ask according to his will. Woo-hoo, I got it. Well, where is it? I got it. Because... I know that he heard me whatsoever I asked, and I know that I have the petitions. I have the petitions. I have the petitions. I have desired of him. See, there's this lag in there, this, this sound lag. You know, you ever watch a, a movie where the video and the audio aren't together? It's terrible. Well, it, sometimes we have this lag in our celebrations, and God would like to do it, but we... We obviously didn't open up to receive it. We want to still, still, even though we prayed, we still want to see it before we receive it. But sometimes receiving means you didn't see anything. You didn't hear anything. They didn't say, oh, yeah, your application went through and you've got the job. No, they didn't say a word. But you're shouting over here, hoo-hoo, I go to work Monday. Now, that's who we are. Now, we could be liturgical and we could uh, swing the censers and wear the pointy hat and have on the, the, the drapes. We could, you know, get the drapes on us and walk around. I, I make fun of that because it's liturgical. It's not what God wants. It's what we want, but it's not what he wants. And he said it doesn't work. What works? This is what works. So uh, expectancy. Say Expectancy. Expectancy. Expectancy changes the atmosphere. If you came to church, for instance, or anywhere, went over to your folks' house or anything, and you knew that when you were going over there, 
that mama had cooked a pineapple. You knew she, she knows I'm coming. There's a pineapple upside down cake waiting for me. Is I've never been that there wasn't, and there, I've told her I'm coming on Thursday, so there'll be one there. Well, then it changes everything versus you tripping in there and you say, you got anything around here to eat? No, I don't have nothing. So we've got to fill up some spaces with expectancy. And the way you fill up with expectancy is you meditate on the goodness of God. What would God do for little old me? Whatever I asked him for that I believed he would give me according to his will. Now, if you're going to get out there and do something crazy or silly or foolish, you know, that's not according to the will of God, bless your heart. But we're not doing that. That's not who we are. We've heard the word. We know the word. And so when we ask, we're asking according to the word. But we're missing the testimony. I love that story about the girl with the goiter. Y'all have heard it so many times, and I didn't bring it, but it's just so amazing that she came year after year and said, I want to thank God. I want to testify that I got healed of a goiter last year at the meeting. And it's bigger, if anything. I just, you know, and they just criticized her and said, that's not how this works. But it did. Wouldn't it be fun to expect things from God, great things from God, without having a crisis? It's just like he, God would say, what's wrong? You're, you're up here early. You're up here happy. What, what, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. I just came to get the goodness of God into my life. So uh, we got to quit if we are, if we are doing anything where we have to hear anything, see anything, or know anything before we'll have a testimony of a thing. You know what this is? It's just a tweak. We're already so blessed. We already know the goodness of God. We already know it's from Him. We already know that it's exceeding abundantly above what we could ever expect or, or uh, experience. We already know God's capable of going over and over and over, surprising us with His goodness. So why don't we just make a slight tweak, an adjustment, and just say, I'm going to get happy about that before I see it. You think it'd change anything? Oh, I believe revival would break out in your heart. I believe it, it would. Uh, and then you'd have, you'd have a life that had no wasted circumstances, no wasted situations, no wasted days, saying, I wonder if it's going to happen. I wonder if it's going to happen. Ah, you've already rejoiced about it and went on your way to the next thing because you know it's going to happen. So we're not that people, but I'm telling everybody on this program or whatever you're doing, you got to get off that God's in control. Because he's not in control here. He's in control in heaven. And he's in control of doing his word. But as far as just going out there and fishing without a pole, God's not in control. You're in control. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you loose on earth, that's the way it's going to be. We say to the mountain, I say to the mountain, be removed. Speak to the mountain about God instead of God about the mountain. That's what the word teaches us. So uh, I have some testimonies here that I fished out, and then I've got something I want to read. Uh, Ephesians 3.20, you know that one. It says, I'm going to read it just because i got two minutes. Hallelujah. I'm so fast. 3.20, that's the part of your Bible that's just marked up and the pages are just smooth. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. 
And if you get into the Amplified and other versions, it just goes on and on about how good God wants to be more than we think he is. So I've got this testimony. Um, it was a Bethel testimony. He lost a $300 retainer on a trip. And that doesn't mean a thing to me, but if you've ever had a retainer and had to go get that thing, and, and Daddy had to pay for it. So uh, I was lamenting about having to replace it. But then I came to myself and said, I want it back. You ever had those little spells where you just came to yourself and said, I ain't putting up with this. This is enough of that. I'm not doing it. So he said, I want it back. And suddenly, it says, in front of his eyes on the laundry, the retainer appeared. I've heard Leroy Thompson talk about his washing machine. He says, if you've got, if you've got $1,000, go buy you a new washing machine. But he said, if you hadn't got enough to buy detergent, you lay hands on that puppy and tell it, you're going. You're going to work. You're going to work for me. And you'll get a testimony. A child was saving for a big trip uh, and was playing in a field with his wallet and lost it. And he had all of his money in there. And the family came back to the living room and lamented the loss for the child's sake. Baby, we're so sorry you lost your billfold. But suddenly, as they lamented, someone got happy about how God could do it. And they say the wallet fell out of the air onto the carpet. We could tell testimonies about people, the pastors saying, we got to have this offering if we're going to pay the bill. And it didn't come. Instead of taking six offerings, I've also heard of that. They just went back and prayed and prayed over it and then came back and then went back and prayed over it until it finally was enough. Uh, Bobby Connor, he's a prophet. I've never met him. Don't, he's prophesied over Alabama. He said he lost his pocket knife that was given to him by a dear friend. And in a hotel room while he was waiting on a meeting, he, he stopped himself and demanded, I want my pocket knife back. And the testimony is, is that suddenly, who knows from where, it fell onto the bed. Now, you know, we don't have anything to verify this, but it, it syncs up with my experience. How about yours? Now, I found this. I found it uh, last night or this morning. This is a vision book testimony. And I've left his name out. But somebody I know, and it says, at the beginning of the year, my wife and I began talking about putting a, together a vision book. Let's say vision book. Vision book. Well, it's not that the paper or it's not that the ink or anything. It's what it allows us. It's a, it's a vehicle that allows us to convey faith. My wife and I began talking about putting together a vision book. We didn't know exactly what we wanted to put in the book or how we wanted to construct the book. So we kept putting it off. Guilty, Lord, here I am. Finally, in early February, we decided just to do it right then with whatever we had on hand. We found a white three-ring binder and a stack of construction paper and started gluing and punching holes. On the cover of the binder, we typed 2007 Vision Book, the year of the open doors, opportunity, and amazement. The year of open doors, opportunity, and amazement. Opening the binder reveals the first page, which states in capital letters, bills paid off. The next two pages have copies of the mortgage, the car payment, a credit card bill, and the internal revenue 
service logo. The IRS logo represented a bill we unexpectedly owed for our taxes. We thought that we were going to receive a tax refund in 06, but because of certain conditions, we were told that we owed the IRS over $5,000. I say, ouch. Thank God in 07, we saw the credit card paid off, our house value greatly increased, and our tax problem with the IRS taken care of. Thank you, Jesus. The next page of the book had pictures of men in suits and ties that we printed off of a department store website. By the end of the year, I had several new ties, shirts, a sport coat, and a new suit. The next page has a picture of a new vehicle with the words, We Drive the Best, written under it. At the beginning of the year, we had one new car and one worn-out car. By the end of the year, we had one new car and one even newer car. Other pages in the book have magazine pictures of various furniture items. Of the items pictured, we now have a new dining room table and chairs, a new area rug, a new chair for the living room, a leather bench ottoman, a leather bench on an ottoman, a chair for the study, curtains, and a new bedding set. All this came into our house within 11 months. This is real powerful, y'all. It doesn't matter the details. There is a, one other specific page worth mentioning that I am by far the most proud and grateful for in the whole book. It is the one that has a picture of a very pretty pregnant lady cut from a magazine. In this year, the Lord gave us a son that we already adore, and in, and in my opinion, my wife is the most beautiful pregnant lady in the world. A few other pages contain pictures of what our dream house might look like and some other things that we have our sights set on. Set on. They are in a bright yellow section of the book labeled, Our Future is Bright. So this is a celebration. This is a testimony of saying what things soever we desire. When we pray, we believe we receive them and we have them. It's, it's the same as that scripture. I want to read it again. I just love this scripture in uh, 1 John 5 that says, this is the confidence, the assurance, the conviction that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears me. Well, I'm a worm and I didn't do good and I could have done better and I got years of, of uh, running around on God. He heareth us and if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions, petitions that we have desired of him. So I... I think we now we're a good testifying church. Matter of fact, sometimes, you know, testifying about the ants, ant bed colony getting bigger this year and how God's really blessing them might be a little over the top, <laughs> but not really. We ought to testify. You ought to find something to share, not necessarily in church. It doesn't have to be everybody. Uh, just like the prophetic word doesn't have to be to everybody. If if you get a prophetic word, and you should, it could be that you're supposed to hold it until the right time shows up, and all of a sudden you'll say, I know where that fits. Same thing with the testimony. It might not be that you can testify every time in a, in a large church. <laughs> a large church, but you've got, you got a place for it, and, and while you're holding it, it'll stir you up. Wonder what else God has got, because I'm already thinking about this and he said he'll do more than I can ask or think and I am asking and thinking about this so he must have something more than this and I'm only thinking about this 
When's it going to come? When, when's the people going to line up? When's God going to come through? When? See, we're thinking about that, and we're not thinking about what we ask or think. So we're having revival culture at River Church. And we're all putting it on individually, and together two is better than one. We're having revival in our hearts, and then we don't know what it looks like. Now, I want to tell you all honestly, I don't know what revival looks like. I've been in some revival meetings where people ran around the room, fell out under the power. Uh, God healed people. There was tongues and interpretation. There was prophetic words. Uh, there was amazing things happened. Uh, was in one meeting. Y'all were in that meeting where all of a sudden people were giving away cars and watches and, and uh, all sorts of things. I'd say that was a revival meeting, but it didn't ever happen like that again. So you'd say, well, revival came one evening and left the next morning. But that's not what revival looks like, although all of those are revival. It's us having a culture inside that says, I'm looking for you. I've got up today and I'm looking for you. And I'm going to tell about the good things that I know he's done and the good things that he's doing. And uh, I will. That's why we sing that happy song. Not everybody likes the happy song. I, you know how much it bothers me? Like zero. Because I like anything that says I'm happy no matter the trouble that comes. It's who we are. No matter what the trouble is that comes, we're happy. It may be that we don't know what to do, but we're happy about it. So, yay. Does any, before we go, anybody got a testimony that says, I got to jump up and, and tell about this. Did, you, did your pocket knife fall out of the, out of the ceiling or uh, anything like that? Yay. I think we should have translation, especially for the Smiths and the Halls. It's like, come on. Well, can we bust that hour and 10 or 15 minutes down to 25 minutes? Ah, I've read books about it. Could we open our billfold where there was just $20 and all of a sudden there's $2,000? I don't know how that'd work. I, I don't. But it, it would be beyond what I could ask or think. So I put it on the plate and say, yeah, because I can't think how it would be, how I'd get translated, how I'd have more money. But that's his job. My job is to think of, of the money and the translation and let him do above that. Amen. Well, y'all are a blessing. Thank you for joining us on broadcast tonight. We appreciate it. We will be back on Sunday at about, what time will we be back on Sunday? 10.45? Yeah, 10.45. So y'all... Just, just drink your coffee. Hang on and we'll be there. Amen. God bless you.